Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Evening, everybody. Welcome along to the First Serve on this uh, Monday night. Magnificent to have your company. Brett Phillips, as always, uh, in the chair. We talk the world of tennis right across uh, the SEN network. In fact, I've uh, come up to Brisbane uh, tonight to the beautiful SEN studios up here in uh, Brisbane, spending the week uh, visiting Tennis Queensland. I was out at the uh, beautiful Queensland Tennis Centre uh, today that's uh, looking forward to some top-flight tennis uh, coming back to uh, Pat Rafter Arena. It's been a little while. Going to go out and visit the National Tennis Academy uh, tomorrow where a number of the Australian players are. Uh, a big hello, of course, to uh, Tennis Direct, uh, one of our uh, great partners. You can send us a text on the Tennis Direct text uh, tonight who are up here in uh, Brisbane, so we'll be out to visit Mike and the team uh, this week. Of course, you can get that nice little 10% discount store-wide using the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. It's Australia's uh, favourite online tennis store, fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. So come a week's time, I'll uh, take you back uh, through my week here in uh, Queensland and uh, take you inside uh, uh, the ventures of the next uh, few days. But really, when I think back over the last week, there's only one man that has captured uh, the hearts. And look, uh, I'm happy to admit that I'm a man who uh, easily tears up. Very, very emotional uh, character I am when my beloved uh, Fitzroy departed back in uh, 1996. I was bawling my eyes out at uh, the old Subiaco Oval, and i got to say the tears were flowing on uh, Saturday morning as uh, the great Roger Federer bid uh, farewell. We knew the day was uh, going to come, but it was uh, highly emotional. Roger Federer, let's have a listen, signing off from tennis, but we won't lose him totally. You've had so many match days in your life, thousands of them, but this one had to be unlike any other. What's today been like to be in your shoes, to be out here on this court with Rafa especially? We'll get through this somehow, will we? Right? It's been a wonderful day. I told the guys I'm happy. I'm not sad. It feels great to be here. I enjoyed uh, tying my shoes one more time and uh, everything was the last time. Funny enough, uh, with all the matches and um, having the guys and uh, being here, fans, family, friends, didn't feel the stress so much even though I did think uh, something was going to go, pop a calf or block a back or something in the match. So I'm re- I am so happy I made it through. The match was great. I couldn't be happier. So it's been wonderful. And of course, playing with Ruff on the same team and having the guys, everybody here, all the legends. Rocket, uh, Edberg, Stefan, thank you. You've created so much history in this sport. You've really done so much. And so much of it has happened 
And it's beautiful that it's happened with guys that are on the bench with you here. How special is it to have not just Rafa, Andy and Novak, you guys have all been so important to the sport and for this special night for you, they're here with you wearing the same uniform. That's got to be pretty sweet. It is amazing. It really is. I, I didn't want it to, to feel lonely out there. I felt lonely for a second when they told me to go out or you wanted me to come out one more time. I feel great, but uh, to be saying goodbye in a team, I always felt I was a team player at heart. Singles doesn't really do that a whole lot, but I've had a team, you know, that traveled with me for around the world. It's been amazing with them. So thanks to, to everybody who made it work for so many years. And then, of course, being on the team with Andy, Thomas, Novak, Matteo, Cam, Stefanos, Rafa and uh, Kasper and also the, all the other teams. You guys are unbelievable. It's been a pleasure playing all these Labour Cups. And, and, it, and it does feel like a celebration to me. I wanted to feel like this at the end and it's exactly what I hoped for. So thank you. It's been an amazing ride. It's been incredible to watch this journey that you've been on. It started as a boy playing tennis. You turned into a junior champion, then a world champion and then you became a sporting icon. What has that journey been like for you? It was never supposed to be that way. It's just uh, happy to play tennis and spend time with my friends, really. And uh, it didn't end here, so it's been, a, it's been a perfect journey. I would do it all over again. You've always had the fans. Wherever you go, you've always been the home team. And Roger, it's your name on the trophies. It's your name all across the record, Brooks. But you didn't do it by yourself. You had a great team behind you all the way. You had your family behind you all the way. How much did their support help you get right here? Everybody's here tonight from my family, so it's great. So much fun over the last 13 years. Everybody's here, the girls, the boys. My wife's been so supportive. And... <laughs> she could have stopped me a long, long time ago, but she didn't. She kept me going and allowed me to play, so it's amazing, thank you. I find that always funny, we always blame my mom for everything because without her, I wouldn't be here, of course. So thanks to my parents, you've been amazing. Thank you. And just uh, everybody. Too many people to thank, it's just been incredible. My God, fantastic night. Thank you, everybody. You've done so much. We've loved watching every minute of it. You're 41. You've got a lot of open road with your family and all of your adventures. Stay in touch. We're going to miss you. Ladies and gentlemen, Roger Federer. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Love you all. It's been an amazing journey. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, it was incredible. Uh, it, was, it was highly emotional. Uh, yeah, I was wiping away the tears for... Uh, for quite uh, some time, uh, no doubt. But we got to see Roger play on court one more time. For those of us that have loved Roger Federer across the journey, that was uh, a thing of beauty. And whilst there was some rust, uh, there were still those crisp volleys and uh, the anticipation and uh, the Roger movement. It was uh, great to watch. And it was a fitting farewell for a guy who has uh, been not just a tennis icon, but a sporting icon. Now, Roddy Reynolds is a big part of our team here at The First Serve. You'll know that... For those that follow us across all our platforms, uh, thefirstserve.com.au is uh, the home you can go to seven days a week for all your tennis news. Roddy's one of our great uh, feature writers. We sent him on assignment over to the Labor Cup to take it in at one of the best uh, venues in the world for sport, for concerts, uh, the O2 Arena. And uh, along with uh, Hannah, who is supporting him beautifully, did a great job for us across the weekend. He joins us from uh, London. Uh, Roddy, it's, it's great to have you on the show. 
Thanks for the pump up, BP. It was um, a pretty magical occasion over at the Labor Cup this weekend, and you certainly weren't the only person wiping the tears away. Um, I know we were highly emotional. Um, you heard the audio there of Roger thanking his family and breaking down, and that was just about the trigger for me. Um, but it was a really special occasion and something I'm really grateful for to be able to say I was there for his, his final farewell. Just before we get into the Labor Cup itself, uh, Roddy, just try and take us inside the O2. And, you know, you're there in a, in a, in a venue that was packed to the, the rafters, 17,500. Everyone wanted a ticket to see Roger for the last time. Take us inside the stadium and just the emotion, just people's reaction. Uh, just just what was what was the feel like? Yeah, it was, it was something I hadn't experienced before. I mean, even if you compare it to something like Davis Cup, this was even a totally different feel to that. There was, as you said, 17,500 people there. Maybe seven or eight were going for Team World. It was purely a, the, the Rogers show. Um, we spoke to a few fans out the front who'd uh, caught the train um, across from Switzerland and, you know, they were oozing with excitement and they just wanted to say thank you. No one really for this particular session was too bothered about the result they just wanted to show their thanks and their gratitude to the the great swiss and um the stadium was absolutely buzzing every time roger did anything that was even remotely close to being okay that was considered you know greatness once again i mean he he put his first when he put his first serve in everyone went up his first ace everyone went up um it was as one-sided a crowd as i think there will ever be in sport you, you can't you can't top that and to have Rafa there next to him I mean it was just uh it was a it was a sight to behold um the fans loved it it was there was passion there was tears um mm. and they also played out a thrilling match and so there was a lot of excitement to go with it too yeah it was a good contest I mean it would have been the perfect fairy tale for him to uh win his final match but very uh, few sports people are afforded that absolute uh, final fairy tale, but that wasn't the point. It was just to get back out and play and be part of that team environment and to be surrounded. It, it really was the perfect end, wasn't it? And he said it in his speech. I mean, you know, tennis, you're, you're playing as an individual throughout your career. You, you get these rare moments in tennis where you get to be part of a team environment, but to be surrounded by Nadal, Djokovic and Murray for so long, the big four in men's tennis, and then the young brigade who uh, no doubt would have looked up to and idolised and he would have, you know, been um, uh, a guy who would have, you know, given them his time. You know, we, I mean, think about, you know, Joel Selwood has been heavily lauded here, Roddy, across the weekend for what he gives to everyone in his sport. I imagine Roger's been the same. I mean, imagine just having a conversation with Roger. And the great thing, and you mightn't pick it up at the venue, but when you watch the Labor Cup on TV, to have Roger leaning over your shoulder as a Casper Ruud or a Berrettini, whoever it might be, and for him just to whisper some words of wisdom, I mean, that is just brilliant. Yeah, they're so fortunate, and it felt like the right farewell for Roger, because so often when we say goodbye to the champions in tennis, they announce that they're playing their last ever tournament, the media come together and we celebrate that individual, and then come the second, third, fourth round, that player loses, they walk off the court waving to the crowd and we never really hear from them again. It's not the most fitting farewell, but for Roger, this was a fitting farewell. There was, you know, his idols, Bjorn, his idol Bjorn Borg on his bench. Uh, he, we know how much he loves Rod Laver. I mean, he created the whole event for the man. And we think back to the footage, I think when he won the Aussie Open in 2005 or six, when Roger broke down when Laver presented him the cup. I mean, 
everyone was there. Um, it was mm. so special and you are right about the Labor Cup with, with the intricacies of uh, the team play where you have, you know, one of the one of the big four leaning over to you on the um, on the bench there and providing advice. It's great for the fans and it's it's great for them as well. I mean, all weekend the players were talking about how much they love this event and how much they love being able to work as a team because other than Davis Cup, you don't really get to play as a team as a, as a tennis player and uh, yeah. even in that sense you're only limited to those with the same nationality as you and so it's a very unique event they all loved it and um, I think one thing to also note was that this was a bit of a preview as to what the post Roger era is going to look like mm. he said to the fans he won't be a ghost and he will still be around and the last two days felt like that as well where he's on the bench he's providing advice he's cheering but he's just yeah. not on the court so we haven't lost him he's just not going to be playing points no, very different to uh, Pete Sampras when he finished his career. Sampras was a little more reclusive and just wanted a, a private life away from uh, tennis and you know, won those 14 majors and makes very few uh, public appearances. But, yeah, Roger absolutely is going to be uh, involved in the sport in, in, in different forms. We're talking to Roddy Reynolds. He's over in uh, London. He's covered uh, the Labor Cup uh, for the first serve uh, right across uh, the last three days. And, you know, I've said many times, uh, Roddy, that... I haven't been a staunch follower of the Labor Cup since its inception. I think maybe because I'm, you know, caught up covering tennis uh, all year. I looked at it, okay, it's another event added on, XO, now it's got the ATP points. And uh, the Roger factor probably, you know, maybe tune in more. But by the end of it, you couldn't stop watching, to be totally honest, uh, because of the player buy-in, uh, just the the access to the conversations... And I know the long-term plan is to try and get this to be like, you know, golf's uh, Ryder Cup, which is esteemed with history. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely here to stay. There's no doubt about it, this event. And I think um, I think it's probably won me over. I'm glad to hear that, BP. I know you weren't, weren't necessarily a critic, but I know you weren't fully on board uh, at one point. But I am, I'm all in on the Labor Cup. I think it's fantastic. It's... Its success in the future will depend on the players. If they're fully invested, then I think we as fans will be too. And it's it's hard not to be when you have, in this instance, the big four all there. That's probably the greatest team on paper in any sport ever. Sure, they didn't win, um, but that's uh, that's sort of an aside at this point. I think that, um, yeah, it's definitely going to take the tennis world by storm. Uh, during the celebratory presser, John McEnroe was sort of making comments as if to say, you know, the Davis Cup is dead. and a lot of Australian fans won't disagree there. And the Labor Cup is is the new thing, and, and it's probably not that far off. Over the weekend, there was 96,000 tickets sold for the Labor Cup, and the group stages of the Davis Cup, which was played the week prior, with 24 countries across, 24 countries competing across uh, four different European cities, there was only an extra 20,000 attendees across mm. uh, what was 20, six days of competition in four cities. So, yep. I mean, the Davis Cup has a world of problems, whereas this is only going to go from strength to strength. And speaking to the players after the match, they were, or after their matches, they were genuinely devastated when they lost and and ferociously passionate when they won. Um, yeah. This meant everything to them. And Andy Murray made a great comment that how can you not really, really care when you've got you know Bjorn Borg on the bench, Ed Berg and Labor in the stands, Federer and Nadal, Djokovic, Sissipas, Rude, Berrettini. You know, supporting you and cheering for you. Um, if you're in their shoes, it's it's no wonder that they really, really care about this. Yeah, that's a it's a good point. I know, I know you chatted to Todd Woodbridge across the weekend. I 
have had regular chats with Todd about uh, the state of the Davis Cup. And uh, anyhow, we'll see how that shapes up uh, later in the year in uh, November. Hey, great to uh, great to chat. If you want to uh, uh, read back on Roddy's work, thefirstserve.com.au captured uh, all uh, the action. Of course, on our socials uh, too. What under you and Hannah? That was. Uh, uh, brilliant, taking people inside the O2 Arena, which was absolutely uh, heaving. I was there for the ATP Finals. I think it was 2-18. It is an incredible venue, the way they uh, present uh, tennis and uh, sport in general, mate. Safe uh, flight home, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back in Melbourne. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Roddy Reynolds uh, was covering the Labor Cup. Uh, if you've got a, a Roger reflection, happy to hear it. one 300 Three six or on the tennis direct text oh uh, four double three ninety eight eleven uh, sixteen. Um, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, plenty of you out there uh, shed a tear or three. Of course, all our action thanks to AATC Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches providing quality coach education right across the globe. Courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners, so you can learn locally, coach globally internationally endorse, inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis. So while the Labor Cup was uh, going on across uh, the weekend, uh, a few other highlights in terms of the tour. Brandon Nakashima, he is going beautifully. It was about this time last year where he made a couple of ATP finals, really started to announce himself. And I think I'm right in saying now the Americans have got nine inside the top 50. So Nakashima winning a maiden title in San Diego. A good week for the Aussie Chris O'Connell to advance and make his first uh, semi-final. We know what Chris is capable of. We'd love to see him uh, back inside the top 100. Snuck in for a little period a few weeks ago. Jordan Thompson winning the Challenger in Columbus, Ohio. So second this year, ninth of his career. Back up to 85, uh, Tomo. We know he can win these challenges. It's been the challenge of been able to really rise to that next level on the ATP Tour. We're going to speak to Alex Basovic after the break, who's gone back-to-back in the ITFs in Darwin. I want to give a special shout-out to the guest we had on our show last week, Dane Sweeney, who I thought spoke beautifully. And I was watching that match uh, this morning. I think it finished nearly at about quarter past 12 against Omar Jaseka and... Sweeney's gone back-to-back, but his semi-final went four hours and 13 minutes against Adam Walton. That was uh, some sort of match. I know Dane's gone straight to Cairns for the Pro Tour to recommence uh, next week. If you close your eyes, I said it to him last week, it's like watching Alex Demonor, and he is covering the court. His ranking is coming down to around about uh, 250-odd, give or take. And I think he's a player that can really have an impact over the summer. So let's just keep an eye on Dane Sweeney. And uh, Tokyo, of course, we had Ellen Perez and Nicole Malik and Martinez. They've had a great run making finals. Um, we're runner-up in Tokyo at the WTA 500. Ludmilla Samsonova, who only loss in the last 19 matches, came to Isla Tomjanovic at the US Open, won 18 of 19 to win uh, that title. And uh, Luke Seville and Jason Kubler were runner-up in the dubs in uh, San Diego a little bit earlier today. But after the break, uh, Alex uh, Basovic. We're going to tell you more about her journey next on The First Serve. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. Uh, Brett Phillips with you tonight. Happy to take your calls. one 300 The Tennis Direct texts are coming in. 
We'll get to those. 0433981116. Just a reminder too, the 8th and 9th of October, the Australian Paddle Tour is coming to Melbourne in conjunction with Tennis Australia, Development Victoria and Oz Paddle. The Melbourne Classic Australian Ranking Points Tournament is being hosted by One Paddle. That's at 206 Lorimer Street in uh, the Docklands. Uh, for those in Melbourne, you can come and see uh, some of Australia's best paddle players and get a glimpse of the sport that is certainly taking uh, the tennis world by storm. For bookings, information and tournament registrations, visit onepaddle.com.au or follow them on Instagram at onepaddle underscore Australia. Uh, Peter's in Sydney, one of our great regular callers. Peter, great, great to have you on the show. Yeah, good evening, Brett. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, I'm just, just an inquiry. Just an inquiry about the Labor Cup. Um, is it always held in the same place each year, or does it move around? No, it's uh, it certainly has moved around. It's been uh, it's been in Chicago. It's been in Geneva. Uh, it's been in Boston. It's been in Prague. I can't remember off the top of my head. Why am I remembering next year? I do know 2024 is in Berlin. I'm trying to think where 2023. I think it's in Vancouver off the top of my head. So it'll rotate between an American city and a and a European city, Peter. Oh, it can't it can't be like it can't be in Australia at all. I just thought it couldn't be. It'd be a great time to have it in Melbourne, say on Rod Laver Arena. You know, the Labor Cup and on Rod Laver Arena, but that's not possible. Well, it's a great uh, topic of conversation because there are plenty of uh, the, the pessimists out there say, why are we so invested uh, from a, a Tennis Australia point of view in the Labor Cup? Now, it is obviously uh, about a great Australian icon in the naming of the event. So it's a partnership between Tennis Australia, Roger Federer and his management group. I think the USTA are also uh, involved. Um, and logistically, trying to get the Labor Cup to Australia in September is just not going to happen. So we've got this connection with it, and uh, the books mightn't show that the Labor Cup is producing the best uh, financial result. I do need to uh, inquire about that a little bit further. And still very much in its infancy, uh, the Labor Cup is a, a new product. But, yeah, we're probably not going to see it in Australia. It's tough to get, really, any top-flight ATP WTA tennis in Australia apart from January, Peter, which is... A bit of a shame, but uh, that's uh, the tennis world and just where we're geographically located. Mate, really appreciate your call. Uh, thank you for that. I've watched a lot of the ITF 25K in Darwin the last uh, two weeks, and this has been great tennis. The quality's been terrific. You know, you've got to fight for your place in the tennis tree, and my next guest has had her two best weeks on uh, tour. 23 years of age from Sydney, She's gone back-to-back in uh, Darwin as the top seed. I speak of Alex Basovic. Uh, Alex, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much for having me. I love your content and all the support you do for the Aussie players. It's really great to see, and I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No, we, uh, we love following the full journey. We've made that commitment here at the First Serve. Uh, it is a long journey to, uh, to climb the tennis uh, ladder, so to speak. And I don't think there was a lot of time for you to celebrate uh, last night because you were quickly off to the airport, such as the life of a tennis player, and had to catch, uh, uh, what, the, the, the late-night flight to Perth. Yeah. So I actually had a flight at 9pm last night and the finals finished around 8pm. So it was a quick turnover and I had to run straight from the match to the airport to make the flight in time for the Perth Uni games that I'm playing this week. 
Very nice. Uh, I'll get to that. So for those that mightn't be aware of your journey, and I've been following you for some time, like we do here at the First Serve, we follow all the Australian players and you know, really keen to see as many as possible uh, kick on. And everyone, as you'll appreciate, Alex, everyone goes on their own individual uh, journey and some have success a bit earlier, some take a little bit longer. Um, here you are the last two weeks. Why do you think it sort of clicked the last two weeks for you? A year where you played in Australia at the start of the year, you played the ITFs in Canberra and Bendigo, like all the Aussies, sort of ventured overseas, Portugal, Great Britain, the Czech Republic, back to Australia. Um, you've had a bit of double success uh, as well. Uh, why, do you, why do you feel like things have really clicked in the last two weeks? Um, yeah, well, the last two years for me have been pretty tough um, just with the COVID situation and being a tennis player in Australia, it was tough uh, with the travel restrictions. Then following that, I had some serious hand injuries, which had taken me out from playing and training completely for a few months. Um, both times and that was just before the Shellian tournament started at the beginning of the year so that my preparation for them wasn't as well as I would have liked it to be um, but after following that stage I went on to a good training block and trained really hard moving into my European um, tournament swing. Um, I was feeling good and had some good results there and I had another little training block there coming into the Australian swing and mm -hmm. I feel like I really worked hard um, in my training preparation and that's what showed in my results um, the last two weeks, which I'm happy with. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, it's a sport where you, you can't take too many shortcuts, can you? I mean, it's a, it's a brutal sport. I often call it that because of that the one-on-one -on -one nature um, you know, the level of commitment you've got to bring. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm watching the live stream in Darwin, uh, you're also at that level, you've got to generate your own sort of vibe and atmosphere. You haven't got necessarily, you know, 20,000 20, people surrounding you, cheering you on. You've got to create that winning environment. Just take us, you know, inside that sort of ITF uh, level where you've really got to, you know, do the hard yards. Yeah, of course. Um, especially at these tournaments the last few days, it's really just very few players left in the tournament and the only people watching is your uh, your closest family or if you have them there or a coach and so it is quite tough with the um, environment circumstance compared to tournaments like the Australian Open but um, for myself I'm very driven um, on the process of my tennis and so I try not to think about what's around me and I'm just in my bubble on the court so yeah playing in front of just one person or a stadium of five million people is no different for myself as I have my bubble and that's what I focus on being in. Yeah, that's important. I mean, I spoke to Dane Sweeney uh, last week who, like you, has had a, a great couple of weeks in uh, Darwin and, you know, Dane was saying to me, Alex, that he was trying to take a bit of pressure off himself. I mean, you, I suppose your own, you know, worst critic at times and you can get down on yourself, you'd you know, trying to make some headway. What is the definition of uh, success in a sport like tennis? And everyone will have a different reason. I mean, not everyone can climb to number one, top 50, whatever it may be. So how do you how do you set your own goals for the sport? How do you define success in a sport like tennis where you're effectively, and I say this to all the players I chat to, you're effectively your own business on the road with expenses, trying to earn prize money and stay above the curve in a, in a sport that is... Um, 
you know, pretty unrelenting. I mean, you've got to you've got to keep playing, don't you, to uh, to have any chance of sort of climbing uh, the tree. Yeah, of course. Well, unless you're top five in the world, um, realistically, even those players they're not winning every week, um, and so it's quite tough being an individual sport. Although it takes a lot of self motivation motivation from us players um, to get there and on the climb and throughout our journey, um, a lot of people like a lot of people say you have to just enjoy that journey and enjoy going through that those hard yards and the hardships of making it to the top. Um, I know for myself, I enjoy working hard because I see yep. the results on the other side of working hard and therefore I try to do my best and focus on the things that I can control in those moments and that's me work, focusing on the process instead of really the outcome because you can get overwhelmed with the scoreboard pressure, um, external pressures, environment pressures. And um, I tend to really focus on the process of each ball that I hear instead of the results and any future, any future things. No, nicely, nicely said. So you mentioned you're over in Perth uh, for the university games. And then obviously there's a bit of a, uh, the season left here in Australia with the pro tour going uh, to Queensland, uh, to South Australia, to Sydney, and, and finishing off in Victoria. I imagine you'll be uh, a big part of that. Yes. Um, so I'm currently in Perth, of course, for the week playing the uni games. But I'll have a next week, the following two weeks in Cairns, followed by um, a tournament actually in, at home in Sydney, which is nice to finally see after a few yeah. um, years of not having it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But. I love playing in Australia. I spent the last two months in Europe and only had a week home before doing this swing. And I'm really happy that these tournaments are back on here because it's a completely different feeling and emotions playing in your home country than overseas. Um, it's really nice having like the food, being familiar with the food and the language and everything. So playing in Australia is great and having my first two titles in my home country was even better. <laughs> yeah, pretty special uh, indeed. Well, I just wanted to have the opportunity to chat to you tonight to congratulate you. It's, it's uh, you know, these wins are, are really cherished. Uh, they come on the back of a lot of uh, hard work and you know, I look forward to seeing you uh, continue to rise and, and go on your own uh, special journey and we look forward to seeing you uh, certainly down in Melbourne uh, a little closer to uh, the Australian summer. So uh, continued success and, and hopefully this is a, a real momentum builder for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on the show. Great stuff. Alex Basovic, who's won uh, the two 25Ks in uh, Darwin across the last uh, fortnight. Uh, all thanks to uh, that chat to uh, Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a little mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north. It's got tennis for everyone, perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete close to Melbourne Airport, accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Alex's opponent in the final yesterday, Talia Gibson. What a great story this year. The emerging 18-year-old to join me next. Thanks to GLG Green Life Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve on this uh, Monday night. The Victoria Tennis Cup Carnival is a new event for 12, 14 
and 16-year-olds to be played over the Melbourne Cup weekend with the John Newcomb Tennis Academy in Texas. As the main partner, all players will play a minimum of four matches and six will win a week at Nukes as part of an organised trip in 2023. All thanks to the sponsorship of tennis businesses keen to support the tennis community. The event has a huge $25,000 prize pool. It includes a chance to win a free college placement service. So registrations are open now with details on the UTR page for each of the organising associations, Waverley, Eastern Region and Northeast Junior Tennis Association. Get involved in that. So we chatted to Alex Basovich before the break. She's gone back-to-back ITF 25K titles in Darwin. I wanted to chat to her opponent. Well, I've wanted to chat to my next guest for a little while because we have been uh, tracking uh, Talia Gibson. There is something in the water over in WA because we've also been tracking young Talia Preston who's playing, uh, been playing the junior uh, Grand Slams this year. Talia, 17, has turned 18 this year, her first uh, full year going out on the tour, and it's been super impressive, and she's been good enough to join us. Uh, Talia, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, very nice to uh, have you on. Watched a lot of your matches on uh, stream this year. Uh, you've won 42 matches out of the 57 matches that you've played. So that's every match uh, this year, 18 tournaments uh, April, of course, you made uh, your first uh, final. That was in uh, Thailand. Uh, May, you uh, played over in uh, California, won your uh, first uh, ITF. Of course, a good period for you in Caloundra up in Queensland, going uh, back-to-back on the ITF tour in July. And, of course, uh, runner-up to Alex in a, a hard-fought uh, final uh, last night. You've been coached by David Taylor, who we know is a, a terrific coach, and uh, guided Sam Stozer, of course, to the US Open uh, title and... He's coached many internationals right across uh, the globe. You effectively, Talia, this year came into the year with no real ranking. You're inside the top 500. You must be wrapped uh, with the year that you've had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the start of the year, I really just wanted to get back into it. You know, I'd missed being on the court and playing those tournaments. And um, I'm really happy with the progress that I've made so far. And I'm looking forward to what comes next. What what do you think you've learnt the most? You know, going out on tour, travelling overseas, uh, playing more of these ITF events where, you know, there are tournaments like here in Australia where you're playing more of the Australian contingent. You've been overseas playing more of the the internationals. What are the, what are the biggest learnings? Do you think you've you've taken out of this year? Um, I think the biggest learnings are probably just trying to develop as much as I can on and off the court, whether that's mentally, physically, um, just trying to make as much improvement as I can in all aspects of my game. Um, And I think that being able to play both in Australia and overseas has really helped because you have all these different environments that you get to play in um, and it really challenges all aspects. Um, of your mental abilities, yep. physical abilities, um, all the different conditions you play in. Um, so I think that's definitely been a big help in my development so far this year. A- absolutely. Take us back. I mean, how did, it, how did it come about that you chose tennis as uh, your sport? I mean, every you know, young person growing up on Australia, we're, we're growing up in Australia, we're pretty lucky. You know, you've got you're spoiled for choice in terms of uh, sports you can pick to uh, to play. Why did you get in the tennis path? Take us back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, well, my parents actually are the ones who got me into tennis. Um, they have both played tennis um, themselves. Um, so they thought that it would be a good sport to get me into for uh, the social side of it and also if I were to end up choosing that sport to continue with, then they thought it was also a great way um, to put me out there in competitions and um, it's a great sport for making friends. Um, and it just so happened that I really enjoyed it and started to continue with that. And yeah, I definitely don't regret it at all. And when you're having a bit of success, I suppose you, you enjoy it more. Have you always been... Have you always been sort of a natural competitor in everything you do, whether it's tennis or away from uh, tennis? Do you like to, you know, do you have that sort of edge to you? you like to win something? I mean, people, uh, you know, who I suppose become sports people, um, if you don't have that ingredient, it's pretty hard to have any sort of success in sport unless you're super competitive. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been very competitive in anything I do, really. Growing up, I did play a lot of different sports um, and was mm. always competitive. You know, yep. my family's always played a lot of sports as well, so it's running the family and, um, and yeah, so I think it's just something that I love to do. I just love competing um, and tennis is just the way that I've chosen to do that. No doubt. We're talking to Talia Gibson. Uh, my great strides at this year, just 18 years of age and a ranking already inside the top uh, 500, but uh, really developing uh, as a player and I, I noticed that uh, you mentioned in your profile that you've been inspired by the great Roger Federer, Talia, and I said off the top of the show uh, tonight, uh, the tears were flowing for me on uh, on Saturday. I don't know whether you got to catch uh, Roger's last match or uh, take him a bit of his speech uh, after the match, but uh, probably hard for any tennis player not to be inspired by uh, Roger, but put it into your own words. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, you know, there are so many players out there that look up to people like Roger Nadal, you know, all these great athletes that have been in the sport for so long. Um, and obviously, um, everyone's career is going to come to an end eventually, but um, he's had such an amazing run and what an amazing person he is. And he's just, uh, and I'm sure he set up the future for so many people and they've just been so inspired by what he's done. Um, and so... I definitely, I've looked up to him ever since I was young, watching him play on TV um, and to see him now retire. I think that, um, yeah, really, you know, there's always going to be people who are going to follow his footsteps. Mm. Um, and so he's really just set this um, great standard on court. Um, so I think that people are just, going to enjoy following up in his footsteps. No doubt. Can I ask you, what is the what is the shot that gives you the most joy when you execute it? What's the shot that gives you the most happiness out on the tennis court when it comes off? <laughs> uh, I'd have to probably say my serve. Yeah. Um, my serve has definitely come a long way since the start of the year and you know, if I can get an ace out of it, it's such a great feeling. And, um, yeah. Yeah, three points, eh? Three points are so valuable uh, in a sport uh, like tennis. And just tell us about uh, 
the conversations that you have. I'm going to visit the National Tennis Academy uh, tomorrow, and I was out there today. You're looking at you know John Millman walk around. You're looking at the younger players uh, walking around. I imagine you've been able to sort of have conversations with those older Australian players who would help players like you just sort of settle in or give you a, a good idea of what tour life is like. How valuable are sort of some of those conversations with uh, your fellow Aussies? Yeah, it's so valuable. Valuable. Um, there's been so many times where um, I've been able to meet a lot of pro players, especially on the women's side. Um, and they've been able to share a lot of great experiences they've had and give so many um, great tips of, you know, just how to manage being a pro player and, you know, um, what it entails um, just being on tour all the time. Let's uh, have a, a conversation again sometime down the track. I'm always uh, short for time uh, on this show on a Monday night, but we wanted to touch base with you, hear your voice on the radio. We've enjoyed watching your tennis, me and the team here at the First Serve and your progress you've made this year and and really just keep enjoying it and have the time of your life, uh, Talia. It's, uh, it's a great sport to play, as you very well know, and I just wish you all the uh, uh, the best success going forward. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. Pleasure. Talia Gibson, uh, who's a, a rising prospect, there is no doubt about it. She's got a lot of talent, 18 years of age, doing a very, very nice job. Uh, of course, all thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, Asti Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Check out aste.com.au. We'll be back to wrap up. Thanks to GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back. Uh, last couple of minutes of the First Serve, always racing through a Monday night. UTR, mailbag, regional tennis, uh, it's the hot topic, isn't it? The concern is tennis and the opportunity to participate in the game pathways is concentrated on metropolitan areas more than ever before this sent into us. Regional volunteers putting in hundreds, in many cases thousands of hours, are asking why, when there is no valid an affordable pathway for regional junior players. How do you advocate tennis as a sport for kids in regional areas where once a junior graduate from local competition, it's a 25 to 30K plus a year exercise? I'm a parent of two tournament playing girls. We are from regional Victoria. I'm not against UTR itself. In fact, the UTR banding is a big reason why one of my daughters was confident enough to enter tournaments this year after two years off tennis, as she wouldn't be uh, put up against a high UTR girls. I also think the algorithm works pretty well, but the way UTR is being used by Tennis Australia is damaging junior tournament tennis, and it seems to be getting worse, uh, not better. We'll expand on that on next week's program. Uh, this one also came in. Elephant in the Room, of course, is that the achievement of Tully Preston recently, of course, getting into the top 10 junior girls, had little or nothing to do with Tennis Australia development. Yes, Wildcards, but Taylor is coached by a local coach in Perth at a local club who runs an academy with his brother. Uh, Brad is a uh, very good player, most likely has hit uh, live balls with Taylor a thousand of times to build her game. She's been involved in the Perth State League, no doubt competing for a club as she's developed and surprise, surprise, uh, has achieved all this during a pandemic lockdown 2021 when Taylor was age 14 and 15. Well, more on that next week. Garrett Tennis coaching at Eaglemont. That's just off the Eastern Freeway. Shane Scrutton, he's got over 30 years of coaching experience. Go and see the man. 
thearidtennis.com.au. I'll talk to you next Monday night. Have a great week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91